Welcome to the Rise Podcast. I am Nuna Isi Ma. If you are new to the podcast, this is where we explore how to transform trauma into sovereign power, soulful purpose, and sacred pleasure, so that you can have the success and fulfillment in all your life circles and be the woman you are born to be. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. And I'm so delighted to have Mia Saenz with us. She is a love alchemist, teacher, and coach. She teaches self-love to change the energy of your story, to open the connection, to have all of life's purposes flow, which includes love, money, and abundance. Maya teacher, Mia teaches make love real, and the spiritual elite with mystics and their natural gifts. And she's also a media host and is the founder and editor-in-chief of Bella Mia magazine, a transformational and holistic living well magazine. Welcome to the summit, Mia. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. So you are about to talk on one of my most favorite subjects on this planet, which is self-love. Can you emphasize the importance of it and what does self-love really mean? Well, as you can imagine, it's my favorite too. <laughs> it's beautiful. Self-love is the result of self-care. We do, we do things to heal ourselves. We do things to fill up who we are, to feel more love, to expand our greatness. And the result is self-love. And what that feels like is the most glorious, romantic, yes, even romantic relationship with yourself. Because in those moments that you want to be alone, if you're in a partnership with somebody, those are the moments that can be amazingly whole and rich and you discover that even though you love being in a partnership you love spending time with yourself as well and so it's honoring everything within yourself that you've worked on healing raising it's about our vibration it's about who we are it's, it's beautiful it's taken me years to get to where I am and yet once I understood it went fast it just was like bullet train moving forward and it's it's the greatest journey i've ever been on and i travel so <laughs> so there you have it i cannot emphasize how i agree with you uh, i think that in our society we haven't really been taught to love ourselves and uh, probably even being a martyr or um, you know, being the one that sacrifices himself for everyone else, especially being a woman and a mother and a wife, is so emphasized and so um, valued, overvalued than uh, self-care and self-love. And uh, I think that this is a very fundamental um, misdirection of our way to live our life happy and content. Do you agree? I do. And it really starts from the moment we're born. Because the very first thing that happens to us in birthing is 
that abandonment. We're in that warm, fuzzy, cozy place, you know, we call our, our world. And then all of a sudden we're in a colder, uh, louder, brighter place that we're not used to. And from the moment we're born, depending on how the birthing goes, is how we start to set our patterns into place. And then from there on out. In my generation and before, moms didn't really spend the time nurturing and loving and supporting. They would feed them. They would put them down. They would run to other children. I remember my life in my early years, and I remember quite a bit, of being alone, standing in my crib and being like, hello, hello, and watching my mom walk by my bedroom door. That's my earliest memory, and I was probably two, maybe 18 months, but just that feeling of, hello, I'm here. And for me, being the youngest of four, um, I was also put into a different ranking system as we go. All of this is who we are, and all of this can be shifted and changed. We don't have to accept the fact that we um, don't know how to work through that abandonment in relationships. We learn how to work through, because not every relationship stays together, whether it's a couple or whether it's girlfriends or a guy and a girlfriend. When somebody separates as friends, that's a breakup of the relationship, you know. And so that hurts. That's where abandonment takes place. So this learning of all this love and support, we're re they call it reparenting. But literally, it's bigger and greater than that. For me, self-love isn't about, unless I'm working with parents with children, it's not about holding our dollies and our stuffed animals and things like that. It can be if that supports you, and that's wonderful. But it's about going in deeper. It's about playing with the elements of who you are and feeling it and healing it and loving it. That's where that expansion of greatness within us comes forward. I say to people when I get on stage or even in my writings, there's three lines that I tell people and usually they bust out crying and I say it to show them how miraculous they really are and it's you are deeply loved, you are not alone, and you're a miracle. And when people hear that for the very first time from someone else, it's a very powerful place to be. But love is not just Self-love, it's not just about self, it's about universal love. It's about all the aspects coming together to support life, not just my own, but everyone around me as well. So it really is beautiful. Right. I'm very happy that you brought up um, our birth because I have been working a lot uh, supporting, assisting, and holding breathwork groups. Birth always comes up as part of the process. This is our entry into this world. It's our rite of passage. And for the most of us, especially from our generation, we have been, um, yeah, we, we came into this world in uh, quite stressful conditions, uh, mostly in hospital by medical doctors that yeah, did it in the patriarchal way, which is not very supportive for the mother. And then um, it's what I really want to bring across is that we are so resilient and it's so possible to heal those wounds. So if they are there, take a deep breath and know that they can be healed. And it's all through 
love, because love, as you said, it's bigger, it's bigger than even self-love, it's bigger than the self, it's our connection to divine, it's our connection to the language that the divine speaks, which is love, right? And if we're not listening, yes, it is. Because God and love, the divine love, are on the same frequency. And as we elevate who we are and stay in that place of love, things automatically shift and change in our life, right? I mean, to a real major degree. Do we have to practice love all the time in order for it to keep us harmonious? Yes, we do. We really do. It starts with the moment we open our eyes. Where, what are you thinking? It's all about mindset. Where are those thoughts going? How are they interacting? Are you playing monkey mind with yourself and allowing things to continue and, and have these regurgitating conversations? Often as humans, we tend to fight with somebody who's not even there. We had a disagreement with somebody and, oh boy, we're going to tell them exactly the way we feel. Is that love? And so when we identify what's loving and what's not loving, and we shift ourselves, what we're doing is we're totally shifting the energy of the makeup of humanity, right? We are taught certain things. We are taught to, to, we're not in the fight or flight stage anymore, but we still have that within us. You know, we are feisty creatures. And so how do we want to be? How do we want to teach our, our offsprings? How do we want to communicate with our girlfriends? How do we want to treat our, our mates? It's all about what we what we can visualize and see and where we want to go a lot of people that i work with part of the working together especially when it's one-on-one -on -one instead of group sessions is about conversation what are we expressing in our inner dialogue what are we putting out to the world if people understood that there are different ways to shift communication with others into a more loving aspect more people would do it because it's really brilliant with the results when you do that, right? And so one of the simple questions to ask yourself is, what would love do? How would love handle this? Whether it's an email, whether it's a conversation. And, you know, I have to say, <clears throat> I have been guilty at times of not, you know, of jumping outside of love and having something else direct me. But the moment I see it, I'm back on track. Right? It's like, oh, wait a minute. You know, my family knows we've all come together to live. We moved recently from Los Angeles to the Pacific Northwest on an island. And so I haven't had my children live with me for several years. And they came to live with my husband and, and me. And it's amazing because it gives me the opportunity to say, wait a minute, I'm, you're grown. I'm not just your mama now. You know, we have a relationship. How do we want it to work? Where do we want it to go? The simplest of simplices are first our offsprings and then outward, right? It's as simple as that. It's what do you want to bring to your life in this experience? And then do it. Right. I love that question. Do it. I love that question. What would you do now? Ask yourself before you react, before you... Yes. You know, take a deep breath and ask yourself internally, what would love do now? Now, Mia, I want to ask you a question. How do you tie it into, you know, a situation where somebody has been uh, hurt, you know, uh, maybe sexually abused, because this is what we're um, addressing here in this summit. 
How can they go through their inner dialogue and how can they activate love in this situation? Well, I had a long abuse in my life. There were six years um, from about five and a half to six years, from six to 11 and a half, 12 years old with my Girl Scout leader's husband. And I stayed in that troop because it was easier for my mother to have me follow my sister's troop and they allowed me to go along. So this was an active thing, and yesterday was interesting. On Facebook, somebody asked in a group, not my group, but a group, um, I just learned that my child molester had died. I don't know what to feel. <laughs> so I, I wrote on there and I said, it's okay, honey, just breathe. First, just breathe. And then be gentle with yourself. Be so gentle, because you don't even know that now your body is in shock. Your entire psyche has gone into shock. Because these are things that are unresolved for you. And it's okay. Anything that comes up in that healing process is okay. Journal it. Love yourself more. Be more gentle. Reach out to people that can support you, even by email. It's about looking at your greatness. When I said earlier that you were deeply loved, you were not alone, and you were a miracle. How did that make you feel? When the first time someone told me I was a miracle was in 2002. It was after 9-11, 2001. I had a complete cracking breakup from my childhood abuse. You know, my mother was a wild one besides having a child molester and all this stuff. And so every day for 35 days, I was in a facility in Arizona. I was very fortunate. It was, um, there were actors and diplomats and my husband at the time was an actor and so I was fortunate to be able to go to such a great place but every day the head of the facility they didn't know what to do with me because I was in there for um, the PTSD where everybody else was uh, drug addicts, sex, um, alcohol, whatever, gamblers and I got to look at everybody's life and as we become experiential and we live with people and we learn, we see that aspects of them are who we are too. And every single day of group therapy, the head of the facility would come in and she'd say, Mia, do you know you're a miracle? And I would say, how I've always been this little child activist, you know, this little love person, well, we're all miracles, not just me. And she'd say, yes, but do you know that you're a miracle? And I kept thinking, what is she doing? You know, first of all, I'm embarrassed. And what is she doing? So I decided to dive into what it was like for me to be a miracle. And two years later, two years, it finally began to absorb. And if anyone knows my story, they know that 9-11 set me off. And then I had an accident at a big store where things fell on my head here. And I was taken away and in a wheelchair for another three, four, four year, three years until uh, 2008. And the doctors told me that I was dying and that I had to get my affairs in order. So at this point was my wake-up call. A month later, I, on my birthday, I went out to the couch because I didn't spend much time awake. I slept 20 hours a day, awake two times a day for about two hours to see my kids. And I sat there on the couch and I heard this voice that said, you've been unhappy your whole life. What would it be like to be happy? I was like, wow that's crazy, you know, but it was my birthday, and because my saboteur was so strong, 
that was the only day of my life that I actually jumped in front of it and played along with what was coming up. And in that experience was my first dream, believe, create process that I teach. And I looked at my entire life in the five pillars, which is uh, spirituality, family, body, home, and work. And I recognized in that moment that I had been unhappy my whole life, that I was not living who I was or my full potential. Because I could dream it so big, I believed it, and then we know what happened. I created my life. So in those moments are when we can shift and move everything in our life, absolutely everything. And that was the point that took me into this space where I was able to deal with everything instantly, the child molester, the abuse, and I could see that it didn't touch me. I was able to change the energy of that story. And anyone who wants my inner child process can get it. Um, it's on my site for free in, in a treasure trove of goodies. Um, so it's very powerful to change these experiences where we've been abused, even as an adult. You know, if you're raped as an adult or you have a spouse that's, that you were with that's a narcissist or whatever, you can still change the energy of that story. You can go back as a child and you can also go back as an adult. And it shifts the severity out of it into love when we recognize that we're there ourselves to support who we are of course with divine love as well but it's really really powerful yeah beautiful it's really amazing to see how every single one of the speakers on this summit has come from struggles and challenges and usually also quite a devastating childhood and that is what propelled them to be who they are now and being able to, you know, be in service and support and uh, teach all these pioneering, beautiful ways that they bring um, across. And so I've been also talking about how in the depth of the dark night of the soul, there lies a key, a beautiful, powerful key that if you are there to witness it and to, to receive it, that will unlock your life and your purpose and your power. So, yeah, to, to be with that. And I love your story. It really demonstrates that. Thank you. And you know the dark night of our soul doesn't happen just once. Right. It does come around every so often. I didn't think after 10 years that it would affect me again. but in this earlier this year, my mother died. And well, we know what happens when our primary wounding passes, right? And our primary love. We have to deal with it or we can't get up and move forward. And so the beautiful gifts that came from allowing myself to be gentle, you know, as a teacher, I tell everybody else to surrender into it. Well, how do you surrender into it? You have to tell yourself and allow yourself the acceptance that it's okay. It's a more of a leap of faith because you've experienced things before. We've all had darkness and we've all had the beautiful light. And we know that we can't experience that glorious light without the darkness. So we know that there's a pattern and we have to follow the energy when we're healing from deep trauma. And so allowing myself the time and 
fortunately, because of this work that I do, I was able to, except for, for a few clients, close my doors almost, unfortunately, and fortunately. Fortunately for me, and then, you know, of course, people had to wait until I was ready to come back up. Just like Persephone, you know, it's like I went down into the depths of hell. I was going through everything. I've never experienced so much pain as I had from the January of 2019 until I came out after Mother's Day. What brought me out was my children, spending time on a trip with my children. They took me to San Francisco and it brought me out of that pain. Why? Because one, I could see my own magnificence with them. My compassion with my mother was different. All the healing had taken place, and it was time to rise. It's not that I said in three months I'll rise. I just said, whatever you have for me to do, Father, I'll do, and I'll take care of myself, and I will be stronger and greater. You know? And so when I did come out of that rising up, everything was different. You know, there was still a little bit of rawness of healing that needed to be done because I came from um, that integration into the world again. But it's been an amazing journey. I, I say to people, you know, I used to be afraid of um, facing my fears, my woes, my trauma, but it's been the greatest experience of my life because as you dig deeper, I mean, it's also kind of addictive in a way. When you dig deeper to yourself, and you have more calm and more beauty and more peace, what do you want? You want to stay on that path and you want to keep going. You want to dig deeper. You want to experience things that are richer because literally everything becomes so much more delicious in life. It really does. Right. And you allowed yourself the time to really sink in and dwell in what you felt, in the grief, in the sadness in in all those emotions and uh, you know there's no time tag to it there's no time limit to it you know i hear people saying i've been grieving for a year and i and i'm still grieving and you know if you're grieving for a year okay then that's what you need to grieve and you cannot speed up processes before you're ready of course if you if you have your inner resources um more activated and more full and you're more conscious about it, maybe time can change. But besides that, it's in the, you know, you can't change what, what you feel when you're in the depth of it. So exactly. Yeah. It's really about that self-care and self-love that you have to keep nurturing yourself in the process. Which is a remarkable experience in itself, right? When you feel, um, out of control, especially, so let's just take this. The woman that birthed me, so anyone, we all have a mother, whether we know her or not, we have a mother. And when that person that housed you, you were created within that womb in the, on the human realm, not on the spiritual realm, when that aspect is gone, it's a mind-blowing experience. From where I came is now gone, and I am whole. You know, I had to grow into that wholeness. And I cried deeper for my mother than I, than I could ever even imagine. You know, I guess it's still a little bit there because she was beautiful and she was magnificent and she was crazy and she, things that I didn't know, she was schizophrenic. 
Um, I knew that she had a lot of dis-ease, mental dis-ease about her, and she was um, a sickly mother, you know, and an abusive mother because of her dis-ease. And so to find at the very end, you know, all of these sad things and then to go through healing and, you know, going to healers and having literally my mother come screaming in the healer's head, you know, during the session, I couldn't hear it, but, you know, she said, did you hear that? Did you hear that? And I'm like, no, <laughs> thank goodness. But then to give that deep love that we're talking about back to my mom, back to who she was, the glory woman, you know, the glorious woman that kept me. She could have gotten rid of me. She could have had an abortion, but she didn't. So it's about reconnecting to the roots of who we are. What's more important? We get to turn around and we get to nurture and love the people that haven't showed us as much nurturing and loving. And speaking of the abuser, the sexual abuser, I just want to share with people that everybody's journey is different. Everybody's journey is completely different. And it's simply because as we're raised, we're, we're raised through different social pockets, different situations. It's not just our parents raising us. We have the media, we have teachers, we have church people, we have everybody throwing their stuff on us. This is why mindset is so important to clear out the garbage and to lay new patterns in because I've thought about this, obviously, since this woman wrote yesterday about the molestation. And I thought there is no more anger or hatred or anything that has to go with the person that did that to me because he didn't really touch me. You know, from nine years old, I started when I was six, but at nine, my mom used to take me into the gynecologist to be checked out to see if I was a virgin, which was really very strange for me because I was raised by the physical. But when you think about it, my mom obviously had something either she felt and she wasn't connecting to, or she was messed up in a little bit of way because nobody does that to a child. But it all is okay. Why? Because that was her greater good in that moment. She was trying to take care of me in the best way that she knew how. So sometimes when we look at that, the pain of somebody who's done us wrong, we switch that around into not feeling sad that they didn't live the kind of life that they should have lived, but just giving them sweet surrender love just as the way that God would give it to us, right? Seeing them in their own perfection is the way in which we need to see people and to release it and do a lot of writing if you need to, a lot of writing. <laughs> yeah, I experienced a very powerful mother wound uh, because, um, first of all, I uh, saved my mother from committing suicide when I was six years old. She was swallowing pills and I physically I stopped her. Yeah, me too. Yeah. That's interesting that you say that. Yeah. I, the same thing happened to me and my brother at separate times from my mom. Yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but, you know, yeah. it's, it's I, I a touchy bring, thing. Yeah, it's a very touchy thing, and, and I want to elaborate on that point because, and, I, and I'll come to it just now, but what I want to say is that then, you know, um, her husband-to-be, she wasn't married to this man at that time. He was um, molesting me also from the age of about 7 to 10, and then again at uh, 12 to 13. And uh, when I came out with the story, he didn't believe me. 
And uh, I moved to live with my father and a stepmother, which was a whole other story of uh, another mother wound there because she didn't want me. And my mother went bail her man from jail. He was arrested. And she said uh, that I'm, I'm inventing stories. So there was a, a big trail and, and very complicated dynamic with my mother. And um, I knew it from a very young age. I knew that I have to deal with this mother wound because it was haunting me. It was so potent. And when I was doing the work, because I've done a lot of work about it, uh, years and years of groups and, uh, and medicine journeys and you name it, therapy of all sorts and kinds and shapes and forms. And what I've realized is that we all carry a mother wound and we all carry a father wound. Even if we perceive to have had a perfect, you know, I don't know if there's such a thing, childhood, but there, there is that, that, I mean, the fact that we come in, we slotting into a lineage that is already wounded for so many generations, and it's in the DNA, and it's in the memory of the cells, and, you know, it's, it's even if they had the best of intentions, and, and really they were full of love, they were still somehow not conscious enough and, and that wouldn't have happened. So it's really an important journey for all of us to look at, at those wounds because they're very primal and they have such a huge impact on the way we live our life and on our inner voices and our, even our masculine and feminine as it was shaped by those um, primal guides right the early the early development so primitive or so uh, important to us as humans right and it almost seems like because nobody's done it before we're all new at it we really have to surrender part part of it because as we become parents or we become caregivers at some point of somebody and it's the same energy that we have to heal and come back to with love you know it's beautiful that you brought this up because this is the story of humanity, the younger woundings and how to dismiss them or not dismiss them, but move them into the space of love for healing. We all have very similar stories and yet deeply unique stories, right? And so it's about honoring that for ourselves. It's about changing the energy. So love changes the energy of our story. When you go into the inner child meditation process and I guide you through, you're starting at like age three and four because in our world, in the Western type world of the English speaking communities, we all start our children in nursery school at the same time and all that. So whether you're in South Africa, Australia, United States, Canada, we have similar similarities like that and in other cultures as well. So it's about going in and just allowing things to come up and process but be gentle. That's the one thing that I would love to get across to people the most, is being gentle with ourselves. We are not going to learn anything if there isn't that gentleness that's coming through. It has to be smoothness. We have to surrender to it because what happens is everything stays in a tight knot until we allow it to open up and to move into the space in which it needs to be. So gentle, gentle, gentle people. Gentle. Really gentle, yes. 
And I also want you to talk about how to bring in more love. You know, you said the earlier, love yourself more. How do you love yourself more? Oh, honey, there's so many ways, which is so great. So this is a really cool thing about humanity because with like over 8 billion people on the planet. So I'm going to go back to 7 billion because when I first started doing this work, there was 7 billion on, on the planet. So we have 5% of the population, 5% of the modalities, 5% of everything that's smooth and works for us. So know that there is a method out there. If my stuff doesn't work, somebody else's will work for you, literally. So when you open that up, 5% of 7 billion is 350 million. Wow, we have 350 million opportunities to find love, to um, have money, to have people coming after us because they adore us. But the spectrum really goes up to 10 and 15%, usually on everything. So understand, first of all, understand your amazing abundance here. When I say that, it's so that you relax into understanding that everything is yours. How many times has anybody told you that everything is ours? You mentioned earlier the word martyr, and it's coming up again. So when I was a child, I liked being a martyr. You know, I loved it. And I found we find these little hooks in ourselves that ground us or bring us back to the fabric of who we are, kind of holding us in place. Look at what that is. Do I want to be a martyr today? Absolutely not. I don't. But it's, it's these messages that were placed with us that we thought were who we are. They're not who we are, unless they're divinely loved. So you asked about ways to get into love. I have free information for everybody on my website. It's absolutely the work that I do with clients is the only thing different is that you're not working with me. So I can't tweak things, but it's there. And that's what I think is important for people to understand. There is work out there for you to shift and change. If you get within yourself, um, you meditate, you pray, you raise your vibration, you feel that you're in a different element. Ask questions. Listen to the divine what's being said. People say to me, I'm not hearing the answers. Guess what? You're not listening because they're there and they're flowing. So this love work that we're talking about right now is the ingredient that changes everything in our life. I talk about the mirror work because we're breaking away our shell that we've created upon ourselves for our first goal to come out. So the mirror work is connecting us to us. When I say, and there's a three-part video series that I have, one is on the mirror work, one is on the dream belief create, one is on the inner child. Well, they're only like five or seven minutes. So in the mirror work, it's not about getting into the name of, let's use my name, Mia. It's not about Mia. It's about our soul essence, our divinity, our spiritual awareness, and our connection. I love you. Not, I love you, Mia, because I've had many names. I love you. I'm connecting to soul. I'm connecting to God. I'm connecting to me. And as I open up, we see so many shifts and changes with us. Our passion becomes more intense and increased. The inner child meditation process breaks away a lot of that um, dysmorphia, not just in our body dysmorphia, but even the way that we feel. It's our inner dialogue that we have to change. Within the first two hours of waking, the average person tells himself off 17 times. Too fat, too thin, too ugly, too this, too that, the clothes look horrible, da-da-da-da-da-da. It's about removing 
all of that. So in the morning when you wake up, I'm just going to tell you what I tell my clients. In the morning when you wake up, before your feet hit the floor, smile. Feel your body in bed. Enjoy that moment. Either meditate in bed, get up, go to the bathroom. But within the first 15 minutes of rising out of bed, I ask you to do your miracle. Why? Because consciousness is more calm and subtle. If you wait till the end of the day, one, you're not preparing yourself for the day. And two, you have to probably meditate in order to be able to look at yourself and to get into a, a loving spot. So with that, when you prepare your coffee or your tea, do it with the awareness of why you're doing it. You're doing it to feed and love yourself. So what we're putting in our mouth is not just about nutrition for our body, but we're actually feeding ourselves love. Why? Because we're making that coffee, those eggs or whatever, with love. It's just like Dr. Moto Siri. When he took the glass of water, froze it, loved it, you know, loved it and then froze it and sliced it and looked at the crystals, they were gorgeous. The ones that had the hatred thrown on them, frozen and then identified were mangled and they weren't beautiful. So it's the same way. We're 87 point more of water in our body. We're reflections of water. Things vibrate with sound. The way we speak to ourselves, the tone in which we allow in our home. My family knows that upon rising, there is to be, and it happens, there is to be no dysfunction, no fighting, no inharmony in the house because I have to get settled for the day. I'm also a metaphysical practitioner. So I pray and do treatments for people. We do healings. So it's about that clarity. What's most important for me? For me, it's the calmness and it's the love. I raise my vibration. I'm always in that space or that's where I want to be. It's really magnificent. You can do it in any way. Some people are physical and like to masturbate to get into that space. Seriously. Um, because the closest thing to divinity within our body that we can express is an orgasm. and so. Sometimes it's done in the love of divinity. Sometimes it's re released for the body. Um, it's whatever makes you feel amazing. You're shower. You're touching your hair and here and you're washing and you're, I'm washing this space so that it's clean and I'm washing this. The honor bath that I teach is about connecting to body. So we create a dysmorphic appearance to ourselves starting at a very young age. I disassociated from my body at the age of four. I remember being on the playground, having this polyester mini dress, and my mom used to put me in these dresses, oh my gosh, without any shorts underneath, and I couldn't have my panties showing, I would not be a good girl. And so in order to play, I had to separate myself from the fact that I was, you know, that my panties could show. And so I had to ignore my body. That was my first moment of, of disconnecting from my body. So we do these without even knowing it. And in life, in our growth, if we take each moment and look at it, identifying it, it sounds overwhelming, but it really isn't because it moves very quickly. You know, as you start to ask yourself questions, when did I first disassociate from my body? Um, what was it like to, uh, some of us got spanked by our teachers when we were little. You know, all of that abuse is not who we are. It's about getting it out of our system and moving forward. Now, if you have been abused and you have fear, and this is something that's coming up right now, so I think it's something I need to talk about. It's not something that I ever talk about, but I'm going to. Um, if you're raising children, 
and you're afraid of abusing your child because you were abused, look at that and step into love. I'm not sure why this is coming so profoundly strong, but it really is. Somebody out there needs to hear this. And you don't have to do what was done to you. That was a declaration I made when I was, I think I was 10 and my sister was 13, and maybe I was nine and she was 12, I can't remember. But she said to me, it stops right here. We are not taking what mom is doing to us forward with our family. So I had a brilliant experience with a sister who just at times blew my mind. You know, God put her there for a reason to be my sister, to help me. And in that moment, I knew that I would be a different being than my mother. Why? Because I recognized, put the, the information together and could see the outcome would be so different, so different. Now, I've had experiences with my kids because we talked as part of when I left their dad. Um, I wanted to keep my relationship strong with them, so communication became very open. And so I've had them as adults tell me, you know, there were times before you had this second part of your life come together so beautifully. There were times when you thought you didn't like us, times when you separated from us, times when we thought you were hiding in your room because I was sick and sleeping. Um, that hurt me, but guess what? It's a fact that happened that my children identified with. So what did I do? I became the best mother I can be right now in this moment. You know, always trying to, and I'm not perfect, but I still am there in the moment for my kids if necessary. And let me tell you, it's almost like having teenagers sometimes because it's beautiful that they're 24 and 26, or 20, just, just turned 27. And it's beautiful to experience this again. I get the gift of reliving with my family, my kids, my babies, and I get to be a different person. So we all get to be a different person in life. We just have to make that choice and step into it and love the deepest and greatest way. For me, you asked meditation. I've been a prairie girl since I was praying my way out of being locked in closets when I was four. And so I find incredible comfort with God. For me, it's father, mother. Uh, it can be something for somebody else, and that's okay. Your highest sense of being, your connection to the divine, your relationship is the only thing that matters. And you will begin to see that you are that relationship. Nothing, nothing else matters in your life. Because your mamas will go, your papas will go. Sometimes, unfortunately, our children go before us. These are just things in our mates. These are just things we have to get a hold on because we are that powerful. We are that powerful. Right. And uh, I love your story, sharing uh, with so much uh, vulnerability because it really also comes down to self-forgiveness and self-compassion, knowing that we are human and yes, we do mistakes and we'll carry on doing them because we're human. And to acknowledge that, to be able to sit in the fire of truth and listen to your kids expressing what they have been through and without trying to dismiss it or, um, you know, trying to argue it or trying to you know, just sit in that truth and breathe and say, perhaps I'm sorry. That was where I was at the time. But now I'm here 
and I'm available and I'm loving. And this is the beauty, is to reconnect to love again and again and again. That's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. The most mind-blowing experience I think any person will ever have is to address things in a loving, mature way to their offspring. And to see that their offspring is growing exponentially because of the shifts that they've made to themselves. You know, when we recognize that our children are souls and not our children, you know, they are, they are our children and we love them, but they're God's children. They're, the cre- they're from creation itself. It takes it not out of us to do whatever we want, but it puts it in the hands of divine love. And that's a huge, beautiful tattoo. That's a huge, huge tip for us. It's a huge tip for humanity because we are more than just these animalistic creatures. We have intelligence that's brilliant and beautiful. We have divinity. We have consciousness. You know, when we actually work our conscious awareness with ourselves and then with our others that are with us, our best friends, our mates, the connection is so rich and deep. So rich and deep. People become, for me, humans are the most valuable commodity on this planet. Not many can probably say that and actually mean it. They mean more to me than anything in the entire world. That's why I am a love activist, because I would give just about anything I could to shift the lives of those who want their lives shifted. And not my way, but their way, the way that best suits them, because gosh, I'm 5% of the population, so were they. You know, they have their own magnificence. It doesn't come through. It may be guided through me, but it doesn't come through me. It's from above, just like everything else comes through people. You know, it's their divine, their divine gift, their divine right. Right. So what would you say if people are not completely connected to that flow of love? Where are they? Are they their egos? Well, it really depends. It it really does depend because each person is uniquely different. So ego is a huge part of us staying in a lower dimension, right? It's not about us getting out. So I can't say overall what the average person's issue is unless I speak to them. But a lot of it is Listening to what was placed on them from their early childhood, their belief system. Guaranteed that probably 90% of the people on the planet do not have their belief system in place. Because we also know that when you work with your belief system, what happens? You become financially successful. You become emotionally successful, work-wise, human-wise, everything. You look at Napoleon Hill, we look at other metaphysicians, other people that actually can see the shift, the energetic shift. So it's like taking the matrix off of the matrix and putting it right down in front of you to be able to see the way things are. If we look at ourselves and identify, take responsibility for each, so it's self-responsibility for each act that we've done in our life, you know, I mean, that's, again, it's not to overwhelm you. But every little thing, you know, from eating um, an extra donut or a muffin or whatever, you know, or ice cream at night or another drink or going crazy having sex outside of a relationship or whatever it is, 
it's for us. It's not to be judged. There's no judgment. It's for our own individual self to be observant, to become the observers of humanity and of ourselves. And that's where it will change. The desire to change, not, you know, there are people who are like, I'm a pessimist, I'm a realist, I'm, like, I'm an optimist, you know. It's okay, but learn to be open to others' greatness. That's where it needs to be. You can be whoever you want and whatever you want to be, but you're not going to get along with the party if you're not open, you know, the party being the mass of people, if you're not open to allowing them to be the best, the worst, the whatever they want to be. So it's not about enrolling people into a massive shift just because it's what we want. They have to want to change. They want to have to grow in order for it to happen. There are several people that I'm not close with, you know, on a daily basis, but I love so deeply, who I've had to shift out of my experience because that would be bringing me down on a regular basis. I love them. I would do anything and be there for them. But I'm just not hanging out with them on a daily basis because who I spend my energy with and on is the most important thing because it's a reflection back to me and what I need. Is that selfish? No. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm there for them. But I'm watching what I'm doing. I'm taking responsibility for me. So it always goes back to ourself on every level. Right. And to the choice that we have. We really do have a choice. We do. We do. See, that's the, that's the beauty of transformation that I love to talk about. We have a choice. Do we want vanilla or strawberry ice cream? Chocolate chip, mint chip, whatever. We have a choice for everything in our life. And you use the ice cream as an example because we all grew up loving ice cream. So what's your choice? You want chocolate, you want vanilla, or you want chocolate or you want strawberry. These are choices. And aren't we fortunate that we get to choose everything in our experience? And I want to say quickly, it's not about, you know, in the spiritual world, we hear, oh, how did I create this? What did I do? do, 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 do. Get out of that. Seriously, that's going to hold you back. Get out of that and move forward. How can I shift and change now? Not digging up, you know, I, I got to figure out how I did this and what I created. How come it's keep, it keeps happening? Identify with yourself. I don't want to be this way. I want to do something else. And you shift into that. You change. It's your choice. That's the beauty. Right. Right. So beautifully said. And I think we'll have to end on this note because we come to the end of our time together. Yes. It mentioned your beautiful free gift. Maybe if you want to just summarize it for the audience so they know exactly what is it. Well, I think I sent you, which I'm going to send you the treasure trove, uh, which this gift is inside of. But I sent you my book, which is uh, on my site. And, and we've just gone from Mia Signs Love Alchemist to women Mia, women who created women making miracles so my new branding is women making miracles so it's a treasure trove i'm gonna send you the new link to and inside there is a book mirror mirror which is uh has five different um processes and it teaches us um the dream belief create the mirror work i also work with blind and the deaf as well uh, a lot of beautiful different elements in there 
if you sometimes as spiritual people or people moving forward, all of a sudden we come to a standstill, a halt, and we feel like we've fallen and we can't get up. It's a, called deep pockets. It's how to get out of that and move forward. There's also um, a forgiveness letter writing or a loss letter writing in there. Um, I have some CDs and things like that or some tracks of meditations. I can't remember all of them at the moment, but there's some great stuff in there. So I'll send you that, uh, that link and then you can pass that along. Oh, thank you so much. I'm sure our audience will love it. And, uh, and if anyone wants to connect with you personally, do you offer online um, sessions or how do you? I, I do. So um, if people have questions about the work, they can write me and I'll write them back. Um, if people want to meet with me, to work with me, um, sometimes, most of the time we, we, we do sessions and then we put that towards their, their working with me. But if you guys look out now and sign up for my stuff for, until the end of the year, I'm, I will be, and you'll be very ex excited. I do get, I'm giving away like three or four hours a week on free coaching. So, but that's because I really want to, I'm committed to touching a hundred lives in that amount of time. And I think I've already connected with something like 30 people in the last couple weeks. So it's a beautiful thing. So I work with people sometimes if their story is impressive enough to me, I gift them stuff. I'm very giving and I'm very easy to connect to. <laughs> Make Love Real is my 16 week program that we've taken all the stuff that I teach, excuse me, privately, and turned it into an accelerated love transformation program. Yeah. So it's beautiful. So there, there's just a lot of different things. Ask questions. We can answer anything that you are looking for. Right. So beautiful resource right there. Um, yeah, if you want to call in that love into your life, there you go. This is one resource to go to. So thank you very much, Mia. It was a great pleasure speaking to you. And Lovely. Thank you. Beautiful, sacred work. And uh, ciao for now for everyone else. Lots of love.